Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us again. Thank you again for everyone that is uh, connected with us uh, from uh, every part of the world in real time. And those that will probably see this uh, video afterwards. Uh, thanks again for uh, this time of fellowship, this time of worship that we have with our, our God. Today we will continue our mini-series for this Christmas season, which we started last week uh, out of the Gospel of Matthew uh, in chapter 1 from verses 18 to 25, with our main focus on verse 21, where we took the title of this mini-series, The Promise of Christmas. And as you continue expounding and exploring the meaning and the implication of the promise angel Gabriel gave to Joseph, today we will focus in the fact that this promise empowers those that are in Christ to expel sin from their lives, and it is also a promise that, that cause those that are in Christ to desire from their new heart given by God, they desire to be more like Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ is indeed the promise of Christmas. And he alone gives a new heart and a new life to all of his people by his atoning sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. Thus, he saves his people not only from their sin, but also from the power of sin in their lives. And, and he gives to his people power, enablement by his grace, for them to continually and in greater degree expel sin from their lives, meaning becoming more like him. And he also empowers his people to earnestly desire to walk in holiness and be conformed to his image in daily basis. And my prayer this morning as we explore this passage again is that God will help us, all of us as believers, to appreciate and to exalt more in the salvation we have in Christ. And also for us to engage with him in the work that he is still, he is still doing in our lives as we live out our lives from the new heart for the praise of his glorious grace in our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray also that as people listen to the proclamation of the gospel from this Christmas promise, they will, their eyes will be opened, their eyes will be enlightened for them to see the glory of God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us open our Bibles then in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1 from verses 18 to 25 and read the passage which is also on your screen. Matthew 
chapter 1 from verse 25. Oh, sorry, from verse 18 to verse 25. That says the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray once again. Father, we bless your name. And uh, your word alone has the power to transform our lives. As I always pray, Lord, that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Therefore, Lord, I pray your people are with their ears open to hear from you. I pray that you put your words in my heart and in my, and in my mouth, that I be able, O oh Lord, to communicate with a clear thought, O oh Lord, what you have in store for us for this morning. Lord, we want to say yes and amen. Father, for everything, each heart, each transformation, each soul that will be saved, Lord, from this word, we say yes and amen. We trust that you will be doing that, Lord. I pray that our hearts, O oh Lord, will really exalt and rejoice in the salvation that we have in you. Father, all for your name's sake. And for, your, for the praise of your glorious grace in our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I got my university degree in geophysics. And though I have very little experience working in the area I have studied, I learned that conventionally when an earthquake occurs... For scientists to measure the amount of the energy released from the source of that earthquake, they use the richer magnitude scale. This scale measures the amount of seismic energy released by an earthquake. And a destruction caused by an earthquake is primar 
primarily dependent on the energy released by that source, by the source of that earthquake. And I'm not here to uh, uh, teach seismology or seismic, uh, uh, but if you have any, any question on that, you can talk with our sister Heather. She is a senior uh, geophysicist, okay? So, but the point I want to make, and the reason why I bring uh, uh, earthquake into picture today in this morning is to ask us a very sober question about the salvation that Jesus Christ has conquered for us. Do we really understand the magnitude, the implications, and the benefits of the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ? In the book of Matthew, uh, in chapter 27, the Bible tells us when Jesus was on the cross, in verse 50, he gave his spirit to, the father, to, to our Father, to God. And when he did that, the Bible tells us that the veil, the curtain in the temple, has torn from top to bottom. And an earthquake happened. But that earthquake came to destroy things that were against the kingdom of God and to give life to the saints that were asleep. You can read by yourself, and uh, many uh, scholars, they agree that that was the picture of the resurrection that we will have in the future. But the point I'm, I'm doing here is that that earthquake was to destroy those things in our lives that are against the kingdom of God and give us life in him. But the question still there, and I hope you are thinking about that. Do we understand that Jesus has crushed by the salvation he has conquered for us? He has crushed the head of the serpent and gave us victory over Satan and his demons. Do we understand that Jesus took the keys of death in the hands of Satan so that we will not fear death when we face it? Do we understand that even if we die, God has the power to resurrect it? to resurrect us from the death? Do we believe and do we understand that the same power that rose Christ from the death is the same power that will raise us in the future? Do we understand that through the salvation that Jesus Christ conquered for us, we can have peace in the midst of suffering and uncertainty because of what because Jesus has overcame or has overcome the world, as our Pastor Robert preached yesterday. Brothers and sisters, do we understand that in Christ we are made children of the most holy God and righteous God? As the Bible teaches us in Romans saying that this, the spirit himself bears with us, with our spirit, that we are children of God. And if children, then we are heirs. 
and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. All these promises are ours because of what Jesus has done for us. Do we believe those promises? Do we understand those prom uh, uh, promises? So I could multiply again and again these questions. But the summary is, do we really understand the magnitude, the implications, and the benefits of the salvation that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ? The promise of Christmas has already been fulfilled in a sense that God in Christ gave us a new heart and will complete this promise in a sense that our bodies, which are still under the influence of sin, will be made perfect when Jesus comes from, for the second time. But Christ has come. He has already come and he has already saved all of his people from their sin. This is not a future event. This is actually a past event. When Christ gave his life on the cross, remember what he said. It is what? Finish. Uh, God, uh, uh, Christ exclaimed uh, uh, on the cross. It is finished. He has delivered his people from the penalty of sin and also from the power of sin. That is why Paul was able to write to the Romans and say to them, and we will read, we will see that sin will no longer have dominion over you since you are under grace. This is the power of the promise we are seeing here in chapter 1 verse 21 of Matthew. This is the glory of the gospel. The gospel itself declares that sin we have no longer dominion over our lives. But I know that as I was overwhelmed with the reality I was studying for this message, that came to my mind all my struggles with sin and say, Lord, how this can be possible? Yes, God has delivered us from the penalty of sin and also from the power of sin. Brothers and sisters, I wonder what a statement like this does in our minds when we hear it. Sin will no longer have dominion over you. Why? Because we are under grace. Are you struggling with sin? Is there areas on your life as a believer that you are struggling with? I can say by, for myself 
and maybe for my wife, but this is really a personal question. Many of us, we hide sin for others not to see it, but God that have eyes, he sees. But I have good news for you. Sin will no longer have dominion over you, provided that you are under the grace of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you are saying amen to that. Brothers and sisters, the salvation that we have in Christ is radical. It goes to the root and the center of our lives. It goes to our hearts. This salvation kills and makes alive. It kills the old man and creates a brand new man. It kills the stony heart and makes alive a responsive and an obedient heart to God. And we will read about that. You will see what Paul uh, writes to the Romans. And that's the proof of this statement that I just made. Brothers and sisters, Jesus delivers us from our sin. Not in some perifer uh, peripheral, peripheral or superficial way. But by dealing with the very root of the problem. He gives us new life. Which ensures that the sin of the old men are continually dropped from our lives. And this is the message of the promise of Christmas. This is the power and the glory of the gospel. Again, I say that in Christ, we that were sinners are not only made right with God positionally and legally, but we are made right with God from our hearts. God has given us a new heart. The Bible says that we are a new creature in our Lord Jesus Christ. He have created, that he has created us, and he saved us by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. All glory to God. The grace we receive from God in and through Jesus Christ gives us power to say no to sin. And to expel sin from our lives. But for me to be able to explain this, I will not dwell in Matthew. Uh, our pastor uh, Garrett did that last week, step by step in the passage. But the, for us to understand what I just said, we need to go to Romans 6, which will be the main argument from, for my first point this morning, which is, the expulsive power of a new life. From Romans 1 to 18. I'll go to verse 12. 
Uh, but let me just say and give you a, a background because it will be a very long, excuse me, long reading. Paul began to ask in verse 1, are we continuing in sin that grace may abound more? No, no, he says. And why not? Because we have been crucified with Jesus Christ, which means we have died with Jesus and that we have been born again or made alive in Jesus he goes on then on explaining what is the meaning of be born again or made alive in Christ. It means that your old self or your old man, excuse me. Or we could also say your old heart has been crucified with Jesus. I repeat that. Being born again means that your old self, your old man, or even your old heart has been crucified with our Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what, and because we have been made alive in Christ, and God has given us a new life, we are a new creature a brand new heart with a brand new heart. And because of that, we can say not to sin. This is what Paul says in these verses from verses 1 to verse 11. You can read by yourself over there. We will start reading from verse 12. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as an instrument of our unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you, if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God. See this verse carefully. Thanks be to God that you who were, see the sentence there, okay? The tense of that sentence, of verb to be there. We, you who were, once slaves of sin have become obedient. Now see, from where? From the heart. You have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which we are committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. If you have time, 
you can compare Paul's words in this passage with his words in Ephesians chapter 2 as well. And pay attention to the tense that he uses while he communicates this truth to Romans and to the Ephesians as well. Brothers and sisters, it's very clear that here, again, Paul is reinforcing the truth that we have established from the beginning. You will remember Pastor Garrett always uh, asked us to think about the picture of the tree, okay? If he always says that if the root will not be made good or healthy, the fruits cannot also be good or healthy. And this is what I believe can help us to understand what Paul is trying to communicate here in light of the promise of the Christmas that Christ has saved us from our sin, sins. Brothers and sisters, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they sinned, they brought total corruption to our people. Uh, personhood, the personhood of human being. And this is what uh, the scholars, they, they say, the doctrine of total de depravity. We are depraved from the core of our lives, from our hearts. Remember that Jeremiah says that our hearts are completely what? Co corrupt. Okay, wicked. Who can understand it? But remember that from the Old Testament, God is giving hope to humanity through Israel. Because if we are in that uh, condition, we will be totally, com uh, 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 we will be totally destroyed by the wrath of God. But God say, I'm not finish yet with you humanity and through Israel he is giving some promises and you need to pay attention to that promises that God is making to Israel Jeremiah 31st he says that I will write my law where in your heart and you will be my people and I will be your God Jeremiah 31st 36 you can see over there if you go to Ezekiel 36, the people of Israel, they are in, in, in the exile. But verses 25 to 27, please read that carefully and underline that in your, in your Bible. The Lord is promising that he will take the heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. Meaning, a heart of stone that was not responsive to him, obedient to him, which all Israel and people in the Old Testament, they have. All of them, they were unable to respond back in obedience to God. Because all of them, they were born with that uh, stony heart, the heart of stone. But God, through the prophet Ezekiel and through Israel, is promising that he will give them what? A heart of flesh, a new heart, a heart that will love him, a heart that will respond back to him and will be obedient to him. This is a good news, 
Let me use uh, pastor's uh, words as well. It is a good news, folks. It is indeed a good news. My heart rejoiced this uh, week. Even as we were praying with uh, Vitorina, we were talking about condemnations that are in our mind from the past that encourage me through the studying of, your, of this word to say, we are forgiven. We have a new life. God has dealt with our sin in the past. And now he just asks us for us to live out from this new heart that he has given uh, us. Brothers and sisters, this promise that God was making in the past has been fulfilled by the promise of Christmas that we just read. Christ came and died in order for us to have this new heart and eat this new life. And because he did that, now we have power to say no to sin. Are you battling with sin in your life, even secretly? I have done that for many years. But God is gracious to those that come in repentance and confess their sins to him and maybe also to one another. Why I want to encourage you for you to be bold and confess your sin? Because Christ has paid for your sins. He has delivered you from the power of sin. Be bold. Confess your sin. And God will forgive you. If you are not a believer, I want you to know that if you are struggling with any sin, any uh, behavior that you are seeing, oh, I cannot deal with that, but you are regretting even if outwardly you show off, you do those things and you grab about that, but when it comes the real time face to face with yourself, the spirit of the living God start dealing with you, with your heart. I'm telling you, the only way that you have to be free from it is to come to Christ. The Bible clearly says that we are slaves to sin without Christ. It means we cannot but to sin. And everything we do is sinful. That is what the total depravity doctrine teaches. We are sinful without Christ. Do you want a new heart? Do you want a heart that responds to God in obedience and faith? Come to Christ. Not tomorrow. Now. Why? Because the promise of Christmas says 
that Christ will deliver all his people from their sins and also from the power of sin. The fact that we struggle with sin sometimes do not nullify the fact that Jesus has already dealt once and for all with, for, or with our sins and we are saved. And please, I'm not saying that we will go there and sin, okay? And thanks be to God, Paul makes that question in the passage that we are reading and says very clearly in verse 1, in verse 15, by no means. This is not what I'm saying. Why? Because the new heart that God gives us unto us is a heart that comes with new affections. No one that is born from the Spirit will dwell in sin, in arbitral sin. No one. And this can be a very good test of your heart, my brother and my sister. Are or is your heart longing for God, for the holiness of God? As I say, it's the fact that we sin and struggle with sin do not nullify that Jesus Christ has already and once for all delivered us from our sin, provided that we are really born again. In him, we can continually and increasingly experience a, a new degree of holiness in this life, overcoming uh, the power of sin by the new life that we have in Christ. Again, the picture of Pastor Garrett, root and fruit. What I'm saying is, you cannot bring instruction from the word of God to someone that has not his heart transformed. He cannot understand that. Example given, Israel. They are being served a manna in the desert from God, but their desire is on Egypt. Why? Because their hearts were not transformed. Just read uh, the, the, the five first books and you will be seeing that exactly. And this is an application for us as a church. And even in every sphere of our relationships. If we are praying for your father, for your beloved, for your son, for your father, for your mother, for your co-worker. We need to pray that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened before we ask them to obey God. It is impossible. In relation to parents, we can uh, command our children to do things until a certain age. From a certain age, they need to make a choice. I was talking to Pastor and Alex, and I was this week very uh, strengthened or encouraged by that. We need only to pray for them, for them to see the glory of our God in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not something that we as a man, we have 
power or skills to do that. No, by no means no. This is only a work of God in our hearts. Even as our ministry is New Life Church, it's more important for us to pray that God will change the hearts of men and then go and speak to people until they will, we will see fruits of that repentant heart and then start instructing them in the way of uh, the Lord. Discipleship without a new heart is impossible. I repeat, discipleship without a new heart in the person that you are discipling is impossible. The other thing I'm not saying here is that we will be perfect in this, in this side of eternity. The Bible clearly says, and if you continue reading Romans chapter 7, you will see the fight that Paul has. Paul has with the sin in his flesh. So we will not be completely perfect in this side of eternity. But we can grow in holiness. But we can grow in a holy direction towards God. So the question is, how is your heart this morning? Do you really see yourself progressing in holiness? You see yourself desiring God more and more? As I said, God gave us a new heart with the new affections. And this leads me to my second point, the expulsive power of a new affection. With this heart that God gives us, he gives us for us to grow in holiness towards him. Do we desire to be more holy? See, if we don't have that desire in our lives, we can question if really, really we have been saved. It is biblical and unavoidable truth that all of Christ's people desire to be holy. But even more wonderful is the truth that every one of his people is destined to be holy. And this is again the message we see from Matthew 1, 21st, the promise of, of uh, Christmas. Thomas Schalmer, a Scottish preacher in Edinburgh in uh, 1800s, said in one sermon, the best way of casting out an impure affection is to admit a pure one. And by the love of what is good, to expel the love of what is evil. Brothers and sisters, this is not our own strength, our own doing. This is from God. The God that saved us is the same that lives in us, is the same that enables us for us to want Him. 
we don't love him in our own strength. Remember, John says that we love him because of what? He first loved us. It's with his love that we love him. And this is what Thomas Chalmers, in that quote that I just uh, presented, is saying. We need to love God, and that love for God and for holiness is the power that will enable us to expel sin from our lives. The Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. See what John said. I will just read 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you don't love Jesus and your life is only consumed with the things of this world, the Bible is clearly saying the love of the Lord, the love of the Father is not in you. See, you can only have appreciation by spiritual things if your heart is really, really transformed. You can only delight in the presence of God. You can only delight reading the Bible, going for prayers, coming for service, obeying God, only if your heart is transformed. If you don't see yourself craving for those spiritual things, ask for an earthquake in your life that God will shake you in a way that anything that needs to be destroyed will be destroyed and everything that needs to be alive in you will be alive. Youth, what are you pursuing in this life? What are you considering in your life when you think about future? Is your heart pulsating for God? If not, will you ask God to change your heart? To give you this new heart that will make you love him, but you need to ask, you need to ask. Ask, please. God wants to do that, and he will do that if we come to him. This is a mystery that no words can explain. But the truth is, the promise is for all those that are Christ's people. And as we read, he will save all his people from their sin. And he will not fail at all. He will not fail. And praise be to God for that. And as he does that, this secret that was hidden for ages, as Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, 
generations, but now is disclosed to the, to, to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in us or in you, the hope of glory. It's only when the root is whole, is healthy, that we will see the fruits also healthy. It is only when God transforms our hearts that we can obey him. And by that power, we are able to expel sin and to hope for the glory that will, shall be revealed in us and for us as well. Let's pray. Lord, I know that there, there was and there is a better way of proclaiming this truth, O oh Lord. And maybe some doubts are coming to our mind. And I just pray that your Holy Spirit will continue doing his work in our hearts, convincing men of sin and of righteousness, Lord, and help them to come to you, Lord, in repentance and faith. Lord, if we continue to read there in Romans, the Bible say, who, who can bring condemnation to us if God is the one, if Christ is the one that set us free? If you have declared us holy, Lord, and if you are perfecting us in your holiness, Lord, we just need to embrace the process and to walk with you and, and engaging in every area, relationships of our lives, so that we can see ourselves progressing in that holiness, Lord. Father, I thank you for this truth. I know that it is deeper, as I said, that I was able to explain. It was a very challenge and difficult even for me to understand all that you were saying because of many other things that I have already in my mind, Lord. But again, I pray, Lord, this is your people that you have given Jesus Christ, that you have provided the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Lord, I trust that you will do your work in their hearts. I praise you for that. Let us be free, O oh Lord, for us really to enjoy you, Lord, for us to be in your presence. As the psalmist says, that in your presence there is fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore, even as we walk and we wait for you, for your second coming, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for forgiving, for forgiving us, O oh Lord, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you because you have made us your children, Lord. And thank you for everything else that we will be, uh, we will, you will be doing in our lives. 
and as New Life Church, Lord. Let this name really have an impact in us, Lord. And as a church, we will manifest this new life that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. For your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.